Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. Number two of the program coming your way, brought to you by the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home. No better place to be than the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Also, William Hill Sportsbooks, which is now located inside the Cosmopolitan. Now's your opportunity to get the William Hill mobile app if you don't have it already. Very simple to do, very simple to use with all the in-game Wagering options and everything else you have, the William Hill mobile app. Use the promo code TC50. Get you a free $50 in your account when you open up an account for the first time. So download it on your phone. Go to any of the William Hill sportsbooks and use the promo code TC50. Deposit 50, get you another 50, and you're ready to roll at William Hill. All right, glad to have you with us. Hour number two, Ballpark Frank in the house. Yours truly, TC Martin. Uh, remember, always streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. And uh, appreciate uh, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, for joining us uh, last hour. Talking a little Don's, USF. His team is really rolling right now. The NBA opening. And, uh, yes, interesting topic for the Cartwright Family Contest in the instrument. Frank, you seem to be on the winner every week. Well, I mean, I, I just go with my gut feelings of what I think is right and things that I personally like. Like I say, my favorite instruments are here is the guitar. Somebody that can really play guitar, I, it just mesmerizes me. But, you know, I, I like piano as well. But, you know, there are a lot of different instruments out there. And like you said, you want the whole band and everything. But, you know, you, you did bring up some other good ones as well. Saxophone. I'm definitely into the saxophone when it's played right. I mean, I love Seeger and, and a lot of those bands that use the saxophone a lot. So, you know, Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers. Love that movie. And I haven't seen that movie in a while. I would make sure that I would watch that at least like maybe once a year or something like that. And they actually did the follow-up. The Eating the Cruisers 2 actually wasn't bad. Mo- it, it was okay. It, it was kind of a weird story in that, how it's like yeah. basically, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of the old cartoon, well, not the cartoon, but the, the Superman show, you know. Nobody could realize that, you know, 
Clark Kent and Superman were the same person just because he wore glasses. Eddie and the Cruisers, he basically grew a mustache, and nobody realized who it was. Yeah, With, he, with facial recognition and all the different things today, it, it's hard for me to believe that somebody wouldn't have gone, you know, you look an awful lot like Eddie like Wilson. Eddie, yeah, Eddie Wilson. It, exactly. But, yeah, you know, they never caught up until he went to the big, what was it, the, the music showcase in right. Toronto or someplace in Canada yeah, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And see, it was one of those movies that, again, being a music guy as much as I love it, and I loved that first movie, I was waiting and waiting and waiting for that second movie to come around. And so I was probably going to like it no matter what. But I, I know what you're saying. There's always that letdown. And then probably you know the greatest for me, and I, I know a lot of people really disliked it, was Blues Brothers 2000. 20 years later, after the iconic Blues Brothers movie in 1980, and I waited and waited. And I knew that Aykroyd was, was sitting on this script for such a long time. Because if you remember... And I know you and I are both Blues Brothers fans, and you get, you sit there, and if you know the story, he wrote the original movie, and it was like way long. It was like you know nearly two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. I guess he wrote it for like about three, three and a half, and they had to cut, 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 cut. So he said, "I have all this stuff, and so you know we only have X amount of time that we can put this into one movie." So he always wanted to do the sequel, and then when you know John Belushi died and everything, it's like okay. But they did it 20 years later, so it kind of lost a little bit of its luster. But then they veered off in a lot of the goofy stuff. Right. You know, like the, the Bluegrass Brothers. And, you know, they're on the run, on the lamb, and, they, and they're doing bluegrass music at, at, like, a truck show at a county fair. But what I did love, though, the way that movie ended with, uh, you know, it, when, with Erica Baidu playing the, the, the witch with Paul Schaefer. It had Eric Clapton and the All-Star Band, Dr. John, all those guys. That was awesome to get together all of those guys, the talent that they had there. That was pretty cool. But I don't know about you, but I'm one of these guys. I just don't like the far fetched stuff, you know, zombies. And, the, and and it was a little too goofy for me. But again, I'm going to be committed to it because I love the original so much. Well, and again, the thing is, too, like you mentioned, the goofy stuff. When you had the thing of you know when the uh, you know the Illinois Nazis drew off the bridge drove off the bridge in the first one and the the cars falling in that that was goofy too but you tended to let it ride because it was so good and the original Blues Brothers one of the things that made it so incredible was the musicians they had in there all the uh, Aretha Franklin everybody else you know Scatman Crothers being the guy from the orphanage everything else out there one of the things I was not a big fan. Of the remake of the movie, or, or part two, or whatever you want to call it, I did like that a guy like Johnny Lang got some exposure. Yes. Because he is an yes. excellent guitarist. And, and I actually got to see him when he's, I think he was still 15 or 16 years old, when he performed at the old Hard Rock. Not even the Hard Rock Hotel. I'm talking the cafe over there. He did a little stint over there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there were certain things. And, and you think about that. Sometimes you look at movies and that, and you do look at the soundtracks that can make a movie, even if the movie isn't that great, or something that's maybe maybe not related to the movie, like even in the movie Roadhouse. I love the fact that in Roadhouse, you, you know, you, you, hey, you, you played pretty good for a blind boy, and I thought you'd be bigger in it. It's like, I mean, you know, sometimes you find something like that that you're not expecting. You know, another movie that I think is underrated as far as the music goes is Crossroads with with uh, Macchio, the kid, the karate kid Ralph guy. Ralph Macchio, yeah. Ralph Macchio, yeah. because Steve Vai plays guitar in it, and he absolutely shreds. Yeah. There's a part where, the, where he... Where, Ralph Macchio goes head-to-head with the devil at the end of it. And Steve Vai said the hardest thing for him to do in his entire career was when he had to screw up the note because he didn't know how to mess up. 
It took like 20, 30 takes or whatever for him to play it wrong because it wasn't in his DNA to mess up. Wow. Yeah, good stuff. That's a, that's a movie a lot of people don't really remember. Yeah. As, as far as, Check you know, it out if you, wanna, if you want maybe a sleeper movie. All right. Good stuff. All right, Bob Aaron will join us uh, a little bit uh, later on this hour as we talk about the possibility of making that match that everyone wants to see in the boxing world. Earl Spence Jr. coming off that victory against Danny Garcia last week against uh, Terrence Crawford, uh, his guy. So we'll talk to Bob a little like bit later. Who do I like in that fight? I mean, early on, it hasn't been made yet, but who who do you, who would you give the early nod to? Oh, me, it's Terrence Crawford. Okay. Yes, I, I like Crawford. And again, you can make the argument there that Crawford hasn't fought the the likes of, of what Spence has fought with Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, but Crawford is just such a polished boxer. And again, he's got, he's so hungry right now. He's been wanting to, to face all of those PBC guys and he hasn't been able to. So yeah, I, I will, I will go with, uh, with Crawford. And again, I think he's just much hungrier than Spence and, but Spence answered all the questions the last fight. All right. So we'll visit with Bob, uh, in a little bit here, but, uh, first let's bring in our good friend, Nick Bogdanovich, uh, from William Hill. What is going on, Nick? Hey, everything's good. Just a uh, little uh, Thursday college football, Thursday NFL. So uh, staying pretty steady at the windows. I know. It's kind of weird because we did go through a Thursday game that you know we didn't have last week. Uh, in the college, has kind of been on and off. In the college football, we have always been used to seeing some pretty good Thursday night games. But this, this week, we got uh, what, Pitt and Georgia Tech. And I initially looked at this game. I said, oh, Pitt's a seven-point favorite. And I kind of like going against Pitt. But Georgia Tech is so banged up. They've got so many injuries. They've had some cancellations. They've had some other guys opt out. And I think they only have like four linebackers on their roster. So I said, as much as I'd like to play the home dog here, Nick, I said, ah, I'm probably going to pass. Are you getting much action on these, these Thursday night college games? Yeah, anytime it's uh, they're alone and they're on TV, we get at good action. We opened Pittsburgh six and a half. It's up to seven and a half. So... Uh, they must have the same rationale as you, but yeah, no. Any time the the games are sort of by itself, uh, people flock to it because they want some action. All right. So what we do have though tonight is a very much anticipated NFL game between the Patriots and the Rams. Uh, the line here, Nick, kind of correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe this line opened Rams six. I'm seeing four and a halfs now. Is all this money come steaming in on the Patriots because? They put the 45 nothing shellacking on the Chargers last week? You know, we opened on Sunday night. We opened the Rams 5, immediately got bet up to 6. And then uh, this week the Sharps have sort of nibbled away on New England, back down to 4.5. And, and they feel if New England's going to cover, they'll bet the under as well. So total 45 down to 43.5. So definitely the Sharps on dog and under. Uh, for the house, we're about dead even to it. It's not going to be a big decision one way or the other. Both teams looked good in their last game. Uh, you know, both teams need the game for the playoffs. So it's uh, really a quality Thursday night game, to say the least. And from the Rams' perspective, we've seen them really be inconsistent. I mean, last week they were really good on the road, really in control of that game against the Cardinals from, from the beginning. But then you go back to their last home game two weeks ago against the 49ers. I think a lot of people thought that they would take care of San Francisco, especially with Nick Mullins as the Niners quarterback. That wasn't the case. It just seems like the Niners are probably their kryptonite, that they just can't beat this team for whatever reason. And then again, we have Jared Goff. You don't know which Goff is going to show up to. Very true. Uh, as Goff goes, go, so go the Rams. I mean, if he plays well, it seems like they're almost unbeatable, to be honest with you. And then there's many times he's, he, he looks very, very ordinary. So 
a direct correlation on how the Rams do with uh, Goff's play, no doubt. All right. So what about uh, you, Nick? Who who are you uh, leaning towards tonight in this game? I know you're on the other side of the counter, and you're telling us where the money's going there, but but break down that game for us tonight. Yeah, no, personally no interest whatsoever. Uh, The joint's dead even to it as of right now. We've still got two hours, so uh, if we have a decent-sized decision on it, I'll definitely root for the joint. But Mm -hmm. from a personal standpoint, I sort of lean toward the Rams. I'd like to see the Rams get in there. Uh, You know, New England's won it 100 times. So if New England misses the playoffs and another team gets in that we haven't seen in a while, uh, I'd be all for that. So just from that perspective alone, I'm sort of rooting for the Rams. Mm We know that the public loves to bet on the last thing that they saw, and they jump on and off bandwagons all the time. Who are the hot teams right now from a public perspective? You notice that, you, you mentioned how some people are on New England because of the way they've played recently. What are some other teams that maybe people are getting behind right now because they've been playing better of late? Yeah, I was going to say, people definitely do bet what they saw last. So I was going to say, just think if the Jets would have won this year they, last week, <laughs> they would have been betting the Jets against Seattle. Uh, but no. Uh, you know, yeah, any team that gets real hot, the public's going to back. That's just the way it is. And it all depends on the matchup. If, they're, if, they, if, they, if two, two hot teams run into each other, uh, the public really doesn't know what to do. So it takes a one-hot team and one team that's uh, so-so or struggling. So that that's really how it boils down to. And as a bookmaker, we hope there's not a lot of those decisions just because, the, the, you know, the, it gets to be a monster-monster decision. But, you know, that's the, the, the nature of the business. So this week there really doesn't look like a – you know, there, there's four seven-point games this week that we're going to need one of the seven – to win outright to knock down teasers. Green Bay 7 over Detroit, uh, Tampa Bay 7 over the Vikings, Chiefs 7 over Miami, and uh, there's other one oh the Saints 7 over the Eagles. So if all, if all four of those win, we'll have some problems because between teasers and money line parlays, we'll get whacked around pretty good. All right, Nick Bogdanovich uh, joined us from William Hill talking about uh, the NFL for this week. And tonight's game, you've got the Rams and the Patriots, actually a pretty good Thursday night game. New England has battled themselves back into playoff position. They're at 500 right now. And I think there are a lot of Raider fans that are going to be rooting for the Rams here tonight, Nick, because remember, if for some reason, if the Raiders and the Patriots uh, are end up tied, New England beat the Raiders early on this season, so they're going to own that tiebreaker here. And for some reason, uh, even though the Patriots are missing all kinds of guys and they have from the beginning of this season, they are starting to get hot and play some good football, winning, what, four of the last five games. Yeah, exactly. Like like I said a little earlier, that you know, I'd love to see the Patriots lose. That that helps the Raiders. Obviously, uh, born and raised here, I'm rooting for the Raiders. Uh, always sort of been a closet Raider fan, big Kenny Stabler guy and Branch and Bolitnikoff and them. So, uh, yeah, that would help the Raiders' cause for sure. So uh, definitely rooting for the Rams from that perspective. Total on this game is 43.5. Any movement on this or any thoughts? Yeah, Sharps all over the under. We opened the total 45 down to 43.5. You know, it's just Belichick. But the Patriots won 45 nothing last week, and they only had like 260 yards of total offense. So New England's a stone under team. He shortens the game better than anyone. Uh, you know, he does, you know, 30, the, the, the play clock's down to the last two seconds every time they run a play. Uh, Cam's very deliberate, short passes. They don't really have any big playmakers. So, yeah, New England is a dead under team.
All right, looking at Sunday, the Chiefs are playing the Dolphins. Got to be some interest in this game. And I know people love to bet the Chiefs. They've probably turned into one of those public teams. And if you can get the Chiefs anytime under a touchdown, uh, maybe a good spot here. They are on the road. They're at Miami. Uh, Tua's condition is is still up in the air, still dealing with that thumb. I know that he's missed practice uh, the last couple days. Uh, Give us some thoughts on on where this line is at currently now and uh, what your thoughts about the Chiefs-Dolphins. Can't wait to watch this game. Uh, obviously, two is an interesting per- person. He's ha- his winning record is very good, but he's done it uh, with with training wheels on. And it seems like in most of their games, they get to the lead and they just coast on home. So this one, he's going to have to make some plays. Uh, they're going to turn him going to have to turn him loose. You got to score to win against the Chiefs. Uh, we opened KC seven half. We're down to seven. Professionals definitely on the dog. Totals fifty and a half. Uh, nothing too much to report there, but. Miami's an interesting team. Uh, Brian Flores done a phenomenal job. They win it with defense and special teams and not turning the ball over. So I, I just I'm hoping they have a nice game plan to keep this one close. I'd like to see a meaningless fourth quarter game here, and uh, you know I'd love to see Miami upset Kansas City. I'm a, I'm a big Brian Flores fan. Yeah. All right. So the Buccaneers are coming off that bye last week. They're rested, and you get a Vikings team that that seems to be winning their life and death to win their last two games, especially last week as a, as a double-digit favorite over Jacksonville. Had to go over uh, overtime to get that victory. But we know that people love betting Brady. They love betting the Bucks And getting Tampa Bay under a touchdown here, I would imagine people feel this is probably a good spot for Tampa Bay at minus 6.5. Yeah, definitely a good spot for Tampa. I mean, the Sharps love betting teams coming off by. Tampa's rested game planned. Minnesota's coming off an overtime life and death victory with Jacksonville, which doesn't uh, you know, give you a good sense of uh, security that they're playing great football. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, Minnesota's on a nice little roll, and, and they got arguably the best running back in football, Dalvin Cook, who they can give the ball 30 times to, and they're going to need it. Uh, you know, Tampa, like I said, the spot's perfect for Tampa, but I'm not sure of either team. You know, I always think Tampa's really, really good, and then they go out and lay an egg. So, uh, going to be a, a big game for the house. So the house will definitely need the Vikings in that one. We saw Pittsburgh lose last week to uh, make a, sure that there's not going to be an undefeated team this season. Now it seems like a lot of people, at least in the media, that are jumping off the Pittsburgh bandwagon, saying that they can't run the ball. Roethlisberger has thrown too much in that. Where does Pittsburgh sit right now? And if Pittsburgh would have won that game, do you think Buffalo would still be favored in this one? Good question. Their offense is dink and dunk for sure. I mean, Ben's thrown the 45 times, and the high majority of them are five and six yarders. So uh, they do get James Conner back this week. So, they, I, you know, he's their best running back. So I'm sure going up to Buffalo where it's always windy and nasty, they'll try to pound the rock a little more than they have been. Uh, but this was a, a big move on the Bills. We opened Pittsburgh one Sunday night. Now Buffalo's as high as two. Looks like there, it was all two and a half this morning, but it's back down to two. So some buyback on Pittsburgh. Uh, should, should be a heck of a game, though. But, you know, Pittsburgh, they're still fighting for the one seed, and the one seed's huge this year because there's only one team that gets the buy. So they definitely, definitely want to get that extra week of rest and get Kansas City in Pittsburgh. You know, we talk about, you know, as I say, the Janet Jackson uh, theme, you know, what have you done for me lately? The Steelers coming off that, that loss to Washington, 
Wouldn't you think, Nick, if they win this game, win that game last week, they're definitely a favorite in this game against Buffalo. And we're not looking at a Steelers team who's uh, eleven and one, you know, getting points, even though they're on the road against a Buffalo team that's pretty darn good. But as we know, Buffalo's susceptible too. Yeah, no question. I mean, if if, if Pittsburgh looked bad last week and Buffalo looked phenomenal, right. I mean, right. Allen, Allen threw for three hundred sixty yards and four touchdowns, so. Uh, but this one's, I, I think, a coin flip game, dead pick 'em game. So, uh, great Sunday night game, uh, really is a chance to see uh, big Josh Allen. I mean, he's uh, reminds, sort of reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger in a way, just big and strong, and people bounce off of him. So, uh, should be a hell of a game. And uh, like I said, Pittsburgh really, really wants that home field advantage because it's a big, big advantage. And, you know, really, that's a great spot for you guys at the book, too, where you have a marquee Sunday night game. And we know people like to do the bailout situation as well. But this has all the makings of getting great two-way action as well. Yeah, we're blessed this week. Look at the Sunday and Monday night games. Right. They're both phenomenal and both in the pick'em range. So we're not having to you know, worry about knocking down a bunch of teasers or a bunch of money line parlays. It's going to be a, you know, just a you know, well-bet two-way game. So, yeah. Uh, phenomenal Sunday-Monday matchups. All right, the game here at Allegiant Stadium. Unfortunately, no fans. The Colts and the Raiders, huge game for both sides here with playoff implications, tiebreaker implications. The Colts are a three-point road favorite here. Uh, give us some thoughts on this game. Yeah, no, lots of good games this this week for sure, All a lot of meaningful ones. And, yeah, I mean, who who knows what to make? I mean, the Raiders' absolute clunker against Atlanta followed up by getting beat with two seconds left by the uh, winless Jet team. So it's not like the Raiders can say they're in great form. And, you know, the Colts, you know, with Rivers, you never should never know what you're going to get with Rivers. If he doesn't turn the ball over, they're okay. But he's prone to the turnover. Uh, but it, it's going to be an exciting game, that I can tell you. It totals 51-and-a-half. Uh, I have a feeling this one definitely comes down to the wire in the fourth quarter. And like you said, the importance is huge. Both, both teams need to win uh, desperately. Yeah, and, you know, Rivers, I mean, this is a guy that the, he's very familiar with the Raiders. The Raiders are familiar with him you know, all of his time there as a member of the Chargers. I think this is, you know, an, another game. As much as people will maybe bet with their heart or bet with the, with the home team here, I, I would imagine that you would still maybe take some Indianapolis money as well, too, because, again, this team has been playing pretty solid for most of the season. Yeah, they uh, they they play like they're sort of like the Raiders. They play well on the road, so it'll be interesting to what how it plays out. But you know, Rivers is a hard read. I mean, here's a guy who's probably going to go in the Hall of Fame, and yet if you ask the majority of the public out there if he's uh, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, they're all going to say probably not. So he's very very tricky. He's so awkward, and he's the way he releases it and his antics. Uh, he's an interesting guy to watch. Uh, but I do think he ends up in the Hall of Fame one day. When you look at a game like this where there is a, a, a lower line that is not that big a line, do you see a lot more people, instead of taking the points, just taking the dog outright and betting the money line? Or do you see more people tending to put them on parlays and make that one of their key games on the parlay cards? Yeah, I mean, a lot of time when the game's hanging around two, two and a half, they'll just take the you know the dollar ten, dollar fifteen, dollar twenty, whatever they can get. Figuring if they're going to win the game, they're going to win the game. Why should I waste laying a dollar ten when I could take a dollar fifteen? So there's no question when the game's under three like that, they do get to the dog on the money line. 
Uh, but, you know, it's it's always nice when you have a one-and-a-half, two-point dog and you tease it above seven and, you, you know, you get seven-and-a-half, eight. So don't, my advice out there is don't waste your points uh, when you're when you're teasing. Make sure they all count. Right. In, in a situation that is probably going to be a great teaser game and maybe not, not on your side, but uh, the Seahawks against the Jets that we talked about, last week the Seahawks just laid that egg, and I know that was great for the books as the Giants won the game outright. Similar situation with Seattle. Now you're laying 13.5, probably a great teaser spot for people that like the Seahawks in this situation because now you figure, okay, this team has to win. They're going to be very focused. They let one get away last week. Uh, And again, the Jets are coming to town where no one has any faith, and you don't know how this team is going to respond, traveling cross-country in in the longest road trip that you could possibly have from New York or slash New Jersey to Seattle. With a team, the way they lost last week, where's the motivation there? Yeah, no question. Seattle coming off a tough loss. Listen, Giants are playing well, so listen, it's the NFL, you better suit up and play each week, otherwise you lose. But Seattle will be triple focused for this game, and you're right, the Jets might be just so demoralized. Uh, the, the coaching staff has already expressed how rough it was and, and how hard it is for them to, to get over that win, and you know the players are feeling the same way. So definitely the mindset definitely favors Seattle. So, yeah, I, we won't We'll definitely need the Jets in that game. It's just a matter for how much. And then you look at the Saints and the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is getting the start for the Eagles in this game. And the Saints, uh, they just keep on winning. It's kind of deja vu, isn't it, for you, Nick, when you look at what the Saints are doing this year compared to what they did at this time last year? Because I think a lot of people forget Drew Brees – you know, was out at this time last year too, and Teddy Bridgewater had to step in, and he went five and zero. And it seems like Taysom Hill is is doing that exact same thing. Taysom's playing great. Uh, you know, listen, New Orleans has been snake bit, some of the worst beats in the history of playoff football the last few years. But over the last five years, they've been as good as anyone in the NFC, and they're clearly the best this year. I mean, that defense is just so good. They're well coached. Uh, you know, they got a couple good running backs. Stud wide receivers, they just don't make mistakes. So definitely it looks like they're going to host and have the playoff throughout in the NFC. So uh, good luck beating them down in, in, in the Dome come playoff time. That'll be tough. The, the million-dollar question is, the way as good as Taysom's playing, uh, what do you do with Breeze when he comes back? Do you rush him back or do you say, listen, you're not healthy enough to come back? Uh, because, you know, you know, I don't know. Taysom just—he's a little more dangerous than Drew. I mean, even though Drew is the ultimate game manager, but let's face it—he's a dink and dunk at this point in his career. Yeah, and there could be a chance too where they kind of put them both in a, and use them in situational things, like we saw earlier. But you think that Hills maybe going to play a little bit more. Um, you mentioned real quick, uh, just a minute or two ago, that the Giants are playing better right now. Is there a favorite right now, uh, as far as the NFC? East goes because we know that one of those teams is going to the playoffs and do you think that either the Giants or maybe Washington are in a position that uh, because they are playing better right now that they could actually make some noise in the playoffs yeah we got the NFC East uh, the ones that one uh, Giants are plus a dollar ten and the Giants are plus a dollar twenty uh, I mean the skins are plus a dollar twenty so very close uh, both playing their best football I mean listen Alex Smith's been uh uh, very good for Washington. I mean, Haskins was a disaster. Uh, Alex has steadied the ship. Now, Antonio Gibson having turf toe is a big, big blow. I mean, he's one of the better running backs, and he and he's their running game. So keep an eye out for that injury. But the Skins' defense is awful good. McLaurin's a stud receiver. 
Uh, and Alex Smith is playing some good football, but the Giants' defense is the story. I mean, they've kept it, kept him in it all year. Just when Daniel Jones was playing good, he got hurt. And Colt, Colt McCoy's done an admirable job as backing up, but they really need uh, Danny Dimes the last four games to get him over the hump. All right. Good stuff, Nick. We appreciate it. Nick Bogdanovich, William Hill Sportsbooks. Remember, get the mobile app. It is one of the best mobile apps out there, probably the easiest to use as well, too. And remember, if you don't have the app, it's easy. Put it on your phone, get on your phone, then go to one of the great William Hill Sportsbooks and take advantage of the offer that we got, the promo out there, TC50. Use that promo code. And you deposit at least $50. They'll match it with another $50. Uh, real easy to do, Nick, and real easy to use as well. No question about it, very user-friendly, and that's imperative because there's plenty of guys like me out there who who, who have trouble with that stuff. <laughs> All right, my man. Hey, appreciate the time as always. Uh, great talking with you, uh, great insight, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. All right, guys, enjoy the football. You got it. You know it. All right, Thursday Night Football tonight, we've got the Rams and we've got the Patriots, and that is Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill. Are we going to have an actual just normal week of football with Thursday, all the Sunday games, Monday and everything? Well, Finger, don't jinx fingers it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right. So far, so good right now. Seems weird not having a Tuesday, not having a Wednesday, you know. And we got a traditional college football game, even though probably it's an ACC game, but not excited about Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. But I am looking forward to this game tonight. Uh, just hit me over the head tomorrow when you see me at the Cosmopolitan if, uh, if the Rams lose tonight. Because you know, you know, what you'll I'm be say. golfed. You'll yeah, be golfed. because I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it again tonight. I am going to be on the Rams. I thought long and hard. I didn't want to be on the Rams, but I can't play Cam Newton. Uh, I don't want to play the Patriots the the way they are. And Nick hit the nail on the head. They won 45 nothing last week. There were two special teams, you know, scores in that game. Newton had under 100 yards passing. The, the week before, he had under 200 yards. I'm not buying into that. And remember, here's what they did. I don't think a lot of people know this. This is some pretty good information. That they played in the same stadium last week. So they did not travel back to New England for practice and then and come back for this Thursday night game. So a lot of people think, oh, that's good. They're well-rested. So they stayed in L.A. They've been working out in UCLA. But under these COVID rules, they're not allowed to do full practices. No. Which is very strange. So the only thing they could do is walkthroughs. So they've been going over to UCLA the last couple of days and doing walkthroughs and then, of course, doing their Zoom meetings and everything. So unlike the Rams, who have been out there practicing, the Patriots haven't. So I think it's kind of strange, kind of weird. And, yes, and I think they're going to be comfortable. They're going to be too comfortable being out in L.A. with all that sunshine. Again, don't golf me, Jared Goff. Don't golf me. But I think this is a great spot for the Rams, and you're only laying four, four and a half. So from what I took out what you just said there is you can't bet Cam Newton. You don't want to bet golf, yes. but you're going to bet yes. one of them. Yes. And the Rams are going through practice at just walkthroughs. No, 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 not the Rams. The Rams are normal. Okay. The, the Patriots. N- the Patriots are going through at walkthrough, right. which the Jets call game speed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or maybe the way the Chargers played last week, that's game speed for the Chargers. Well, I don't know. When, when I saw that winning touchdown pass, it looked like a walkthrough on the defense to me. Yeah. That's good. All right. All right. Bob Aaron will join us, the Hall of Fame promoter. We'll talk to him when we come back. Glad to have you with us on a thunderous Thursday. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. All right. There's the Gypsy King. And he fights under that top-ranked banner. And let's bring in our good friend, 
who is celebrating a birthday. Actually, celebrated two days ago. So I got to say, happy belated birthday to my good friend, the Hall of Fame promoter, top ranked boxing superstar, Bob Arum. Bob, happy birthday, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Another milestone. When you get to be my age, every birthday becomes a real celebration that you've made it through another year. There it is. 89 and still going strong, as I like to say, Bob. So uh, congratulations on that. You look great. You sound great. You're doing. You're still doing great things, as we know, in the, in the boxing business. And, you know, I, I'm such a big foodie guy. Bob, you know, enjoying those those nice dinners we have after your fights and that sort of thing. I, I got to yeah. ask you, what was on the birthday menu? Well, the birthday menu, we, you know, this is the time of COVID. So uh, it was going to be just my wife and myself uh, celebrating. And uh, we were at our home in uh, in L.A. and uh, uh uh, Lovey, uh, my wife, uh, contacted my son who lives in Laguna. He and his wife and my little nine-year-old grandchild uh, surprised me. So we had a really nice dinner. My, my wife brought out the caviar, and we had uh, lamb chops and a little birthday cake. It was really nice. Excellent. There you go. All right. Well, congratulations again. And uh, always, uh, always love having you on the show, and of course, being part of of all the great top ranked boxing shows here. So, Bob, let me ask you. And again, this is kind of you know, people probably ask this all the time. You know, especially when birthdays come around. Uh, how long do you see yourself? You know, keep doing what you're doing here because you're doing it at such a high level. Can me even make the argument that you're doing it at a higher level now than than ever before? Well, that's like. Uh, you know, when you have an older car, like I have a six or seven year old uh, Mercedes coupe that I love to drive. And people will say, how long are you going to drive that car? <laughs> and they say, until it stops. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just leave that at that. Here's Bob here joined us. Hey, Bob, I want to talk to you about the fight that we saw last weekend, Earl Spence Jr. over Danny Garcia. And, and we'll get into to more of that because, obviously, it's, it's a very topical conversation. But I want to know what your eyes saw when you watch Earl Spence because we all had this, this notion that maybe he might not be the same Earl Spence coming off the accident that he, that he suffered before that and then the war he went through with Sean Porter uh, in his last fight. Uh, when you saw Spence defeat Garcia, what were your thoughts? You know, he wasn't in with very much. Right. I mean, Garcia is very, very limited. Uh, you know, uh, he, you know, based on what he gets paid, he probably is the highest paid guy when you met, if you measure his output by number of punches thrown. He never throws a punch. He stands around looking to counter. And uh, so Spence handled him and handled him easy. But, again, because he had been out of the ring for as long as he had, Spence, uh, he tired at the end, and Garcia came on a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it was a one-way fight. And the they did it on pay-per-view, and nobody bought it virtually. I mean, it was 
a disaster on pay-per-view. And the people are saying loud and clear, they're only going to buy a fight for an Errol Spence if he fights the best welterweight out there, Terrence Crawford. Now, you can argue all you want that Spence is better than Crawford. That's fine. You know, the Crawford people, Crawford's better than Spence. Put the guys in together and get it settled. And, you know, don't sell to the public uh, fights with Spence and other contenders that people don't want to see. And I would love to get Crawford in with Spence. And people say, well, you put Crawford in with fighters. I said, yeah, but we don't charge any money. We do it on free on ESPN. Free is free. But you can't charge $75 to see Spence in with a no-hope. And everybody wants to see this fight. And it's kind of funny. It's really actually sad because after that fight's over, we all want to hear what, what Spence has to say about fighting Crawford, and he won't even mention Terrence's name you know, in interviews or in, in press conferences afterwards. And again, we understand this, that, okay, Terrence Crawford, he's with you in top rank, and Spence is with Al Heyman and PBC, and we've you know, gone over this time and time again, and we've had fights like this that people have been waiting for, and we'll go back to you know, Mayweather and Pacquiao and, you know, it just goes on and on. And, but you were able to make that fight happen, even though it was, it was five years later. If there's anybody that can make this fight happen, Bob, I know that it's you. And it sounds like you're determined to make this fight happen. So give us where, the, where things are at with this right now and give us the procedure. Give it to us in order what needs to take place in what particular order for this match to be made? First, let me say, you've been around long enough to know that Don King and myself were, were, were bitter, bitter rivals. Yes. But when it came to making a fight like Delahoya Trinidad or uh, Leonard and Duran, we always stepped up to the plate, promoted the event, made a lot of money, uh, made the fighters a lot of money, kept the boxing fans happy. Uh, with this guy, Heyman, it's not like that. I mean, he sequesters his fighters into a silo that doesn't permit these kind of fights to be made. Now, as far as I'm concerned, it's an easy fight to make. You do a 50-50 fight, you have, you have both. Heyman's network, Fox, and our network, ESPN, working together like they did in uh, Fury and Wilder. And, and, and you do the event, and you hit a home run, and the fighters are happy, the public is happy, and it's been a good bit of business for everybody. But Heyman doesn't think that way. How he thinks, God knows, I don't know. I mean, why would you keep blowing so much money on all these nonsense pay-per-views that he's been putting on, which nobody watches, nobody pays for, and, and it costs him millions of dollars that goes to the fighters? I mean, I, for the life of me, I can't understand. What kind of game is he playing? I mean, well, he can say, well... We're going to wait air him out until his contract with Crawford is over, and then we'll make the fight. 
But at that point, he loses ESPN and ESPN Plus, which does the most business of anyone on pay-per-view, because without Top Rank's involvement, you can't get on ESPN Plus. So, I mean, I don't understand his logic. I really don't. I mean, he's not a dumb guy. He's a smart guy. But I don't know, you know, what's with him. Have, I, I frankly don't. Have you had the conversation with him, Bob? Have you attempted to have this conversation about, say, okay, let's make this fight? Yeah. And it's always, yeah, yeah, we'll do it next year. Yeah, we'll do it in a few months. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. It's never no. It's always, yeah, we'll talk about it, and then nothing happens. If you can't make this fight for some reason because he's not willing to uh, come to the plate and do what's probably the right thing for him, his fighter, and for the fight fans out there, where does Crawford go? Is there anybody else you're looking at, or is it is this just the one fight that you are looking at right now for him? Well, it's the one fight I'm looking at, but there's other fighters out there that he can fight. Uh, you know, but again, the public will look at it and who cares? Even if it's a, like a porter who wants to fight him. You know, Crawford and Porter, that's a decent fight, but who cares? Now, if I'm going to put it on ESPN and it's, it doesn't cost any money, yeah, people will watch it and get a great rating, and maybe that's what we do. But I wouldn't dare put a Crawford fight with anybody other than Spence on pay-per-view because the public won't pay for either guy on pay-per-view unless they fight each other. The public isn't stupid. They have a right to demand that the best fight the best. And so neither Spence nor Crawford can really do any money on pay-per-view. Bob Aram Unless they fight each other. The Hall of Fame promoter Bob Arum joins us here talking about the potential of a Terrence Crawford-Earl Spence Jr. fight. And I think people need to know this, Bob. Exactly. You're the advocate here. You're, and again, you've got the ESPN in your corner. And Crawford is willing to fight and wants to fight Spence. And we've heard Terrence be vocal about this. And, and Spence has been like Heyman, you know, basically been silent here. So I think people need to realize because Crawford does – take a, a lot of flack from people saying, well, he hasn't fought anybody, but it's no fault of his own and no fault of, of your own. Like you said, you've made these fights before with other promoters that have been unwilling to do it. And now, well, now, they're now, not unwilling to do it. They realize it's the best possible event, the biggest possible event. Dan Duva, when he had Holyfield, wasn't shy about putting him in with, George Foreman, who was my fighter. Uh, you know, the promoters that I've dealt with up until Heyman, when they saw a big fight, they were determined to make it happen. Now, King and I argued about this and that around the edges, but when we determined to do a fight, we got it done. And I'm telling you here on the radio that we are prepared to do this fight as a co-promotion with BBC on a 50-50 deal. We had the contracts that we did on the Wilder Fury fight last February. Just change the names and let's do the fight. 
So, Bob, what do you think is the biggest sticking point? Is it the 50-50, or is it, do you think that it is, they want uh, Crawford's contract to run out with you so he could basically have, you know, thinks he could sign Crawford and have both fighters under his umbrella? Yeah, but what what good is it doing no, I, without I, ESPN and I agree. ESPN Plus? Well, that, where, he's not thinking that way. That's the biggest right. source of the revenue. Yeah, no, that makes all the sense the, in the world. But like you yeah. said, you don't know what he's thinking. I'm just trying to to dive in. Like, what would be their biggest thing? Because I know we've talked before about like with uh, with other fighters uh, under his umbrella, whether it's Pacquiao or somebody else. There's always been the, a percentage type of thing where fighters think that hey, that they deserve a bigger percentage than the other fighter here. I didn't know if that was maybe Spence and Heyman feel that way with Crawford, or if it's no. just yeah, no, it's. No. I mean, this, if any fight is a 50-50 fight, this fight's a 50-50 fight. And if he wants, out of his 50%, to give Spence 40 or 45%, let him do it. In other words, he can guarantee Spence he can do whatever he wants with his 50%, and will be the same with Crawford. But, man, let's get it on. Don't you realize... Are you turning off the fans? And it's not that you don't care, because you sure care, because they're hitting you in your pocketbook, because they're not buying your pay-per-views like they didn't buy Spence and Garcia. They didn't buy uh, Spence and Porter. They didn't buy Spence and Mikey Garcia. They want Spence and Crawford, and they'll buy it. Give it that. And then if you're successful and you beat Crawford, then if you go and you fight anybody else, they'll buy it because you're clearly the number one at that point and you aren't perceived as ducking the guy that many people feel is the number one. Makes all the sense in the world. Total logic right there, Bob. If if this fight does happen and everything comes together and you guys put it on, where is it likely to take place? Well, they'll probably say, let's do it uh, in Cowboy Stadium or AT&T Stadium, as it's called now, in Dallas. And we'll say, no, let's do it at the MGM. And hopefully everybody will be on board and will determine it based on where the biggest gate will be. And, and Bob, because we, hopefully by that time we can get spectators in. So we know that, uh, you, you know, the comments that you made after the Franco Maloney fight last month, and you were visibly upset of the way that fight ended and deservedly so, and the way the commission handled that. Does that factor into making a decision on a location and whether the next mega fight would be here in Vegas? No, not really. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what I said about goodbye Vegas, I mean, that was said in anger. But in reflection, I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. If the fight belongs in Vegas because it's the best place mm-hmm. to do a fight because of the finances, uh, you, of course, wouldn't deprive mm-hmm. yourself or your fighter of that uh, extra revenue. So, no. That would have absolutely no uh, no play at all in my thinking. And if they prove to us that the fight would do better in AT&T Stadium uh, than it would in 
Las Vegas, at the MGM, or T-Mobile, or Allegiant Stadium, uh, then we'll go there. But it will be an economic decision. All right, Bob Arum joins us. And speaking of the MGM, you're back there Saturday night. Shakur Stevenson taking on Toka Khan uh, Clary. Uh, Real quick, uh, talk about Shakur, another one of the great fighters that you have in your stable there. Yeah, you know, I'm blessed. When you look at young fighters, you know, look at Tiafimo. I mean, how he beat Lomachenko. And, you know, as talking as far as skills are concerned, uh, Shakur Stevenson may be the most skilled of all. I mean, he is really, he's a kid. He's really coming on. You know, it's, it's, it's really a, a, a thrill for me to see a guy as skilled as uh, Shakur getting better and better and better every single fight. Mm-hmm. And now that he's growing into his man strength, uh, he's beginning to inflict a lot of punishment on his opponents, which he didn't do before. He was winning those fights by his outstanding boxing ability. But now it's that boxing ability and his punching power that's carrying the day for him. I mean, it's been a joy for me to see the development of Shakur Stevenson. All right. Look forward to it. Saturday night on ESPN, 7 o'clock at the MGM Grand. Uh, no foul fans allowed in attendance, of course, but Shakur Stevenson in action. Bob, uh, great stuff. But, uh, Always appreciate free, it. Free, free and, and I, I keep emphasizing yep. it because there's all credit for you. Free on ESPN. It's not only the Shakur Stevenson fight, but Verdeo, the Puerto Rican star against uh, Nakatani from Japan, a guy, the only guy who had uh, Tiafima Lopez go a full 10 rounds. He's fighting Verdeo. And then we got this Berlanga kid from New York, a Puerto Rican kid from New York, who is 15-0, 15 one-round knockouts, He's fighting a seasoned veteran who has never been knocked down or knocked out. And let me see if Berlanga can make it 16 in a row. That's something special. No, it'll be a great night. And uh, watch it on ESPN for free. There you go. You got ESPN. You got free. it. There's 7 o'clock. Yes. Bob, happy belated birthday. Save me some cake. Yeah, thank you, TC. All right. Hey, thank you. Take, take care, my man. We'll see you later. There he thank is. Thank you. Bob Arum, greatest promoter of all time. Again, worked with Don King. Worked with anybody. Let's get this fight done. Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence. It makes all the sense in the world. Let's go already. Right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. 100%. All right. I want to thank Bob Arum for joining us today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright as well. We're at the Cosmopolitan tomorrow. Make sure you come on out and join us. Two to four tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. We'll have our best bets and a whole lot more. Brian Benowitz, myself, Ballpark Frank, look forward to it. And another college football game canceled. Washington, Oregon. COVID on the Huskies. jeez. Oh, there we go. Just what we need to hear. You miss any part of the show, you want to hear these interviews, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.